Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. The only podcast that combines the two greatest things in the world, politics and real housewives knowledge. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Maritza. Every week, we kick off the podcast with a callback to our favorite housewives taglines. Maritza, why don't you start us off? What's your tagline and which housewife are you repping this week? So this week, I'm repping Ed Gina Liano, and she's from the Real Housewives of Melbourne. So I went a little, I went international with it this week. And hers is from the season one, and it says, I'll give you my opinion, but you be ready. Oh, I totally messed that up. <laughs> I'll give you my opinion, but you better be ready to hear it. I was going to do it with an accent. That's why I messed it up. I'll That's okay. That's In okay. In my head, I said it with an accident, with an accent, and then it came out as an accident without the accent. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Beautifully stated. So I also <laughs> went with Gina Liano. So we are twinning with our taglines yes. this week. So Gina Liano, of course, Melbourne season two. And I want to preface this by saying that this is not a, I'm not messing up this tagline because <laughs> it's going to sound a little funny. Ideal in fact, not friction. There you go. There you go. Beautifully stated. She's. She, we'll talk about, I'll give you a little background to them later, but um, so let's talk about uh, today's uh, podcast. Uh, what are we going to discuss today? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sure. So at the top of today's podcast, we're digging into the debate over net neutrality, the battle for the internet. Uh, and in the second half of the show, Maritza is going to give us the latest scoop on the housewives. But before we dive in, there were a few fabulous Thanksgiving related political stories that I want to recap with you. So to kick things off, I want to start with the presidential turkey pardon. So folks know, you know, every year on Thanksgiving, the president pardons a turkey or some turkeys. Um, and it's just, you know, a light sort of playful presidential tradition. Right. And so this year, President Trump uh, pardoned a turkey drumstick. And it was kind of a bizarre state of affairs. As I'll, things are in the Trump presidency. Right, right, exactly. Um, so what happened, for starters, that was just so bizarre, uh, was he asked if he could touch the turkey. Oh, Some, he, asked, oh he asked the turkey for permission, but not any of the other women? He asked for consent, which is not something that he does with <laughs> most strangers or American women. So I was just kind of delighted and horrified by that. The second thing that happened that was really, really good um, is something that is going by hashtag Pygate. Mm. So April Ryan, who is a White House correspondent as well as a political analyst for CNN, asked Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders if she had baked a pie that she posted a picture of on Twitter. Now, just because we're a podcast and people don't have, you know, the visual, uh, it was a picture of a beautiful pie against a white background. Uh, you don't have white backgrounds in your home? You know, I don't. I mean, oh, unless <laughs> unless her house is bedecked in marble, <laughs> I can't I can't think of of mm. any anything that would look like that. I mean, it looked like a stock photo. It wouldn't surprise me. And I think it totally was. And Twitter just went into a frenzy over this. Um, April Ryan had a back and forth with Sarah Huckabee, uh, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of course, denying, you know, any accusations that she had not baked it. And April Ryan saying, well, you know, if you invite me over, I want to see you prep this pie. I want to see the pie on the table. I want to see you put the pie in the oven. And it was just very silly and hysterical. It sounds like an episode of The Real Housewives. Doesn't it though? Oh, so good. So and then, much. Doesn't Pygate sound like Pantygate? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Very closely it. related. I love it. <laughs> well, that's all I have for the Thanksgiving sort of political story wrap up. Um, Perfect. A little bit of a a, tur a, a gobble, if you will. <laughs> a Absolutely. Gobble, a gobble and gab. A gobble and gab. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, I know we've got a lot to cover, so why don't you kick things off with the top story in politics this week? Great. So the top story this week is really centered around the battle for the internet and the push to repeal the current net neutrality rules uh, by the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC. So to start, I want to lay the foundation and define what net neutrality means and how it shapes the internet that we use every day. So the current net neutrality rules were adopted in 2015, 
during the Obama administration, with the primary goal being to just acknowledge the essential role of high-speed internet as a gateway to modern communication, information, entertainment, economic opportunity, all the things that we use it for every day. So mostly Facebook. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what's happened is that the FCC opted to, uh, to regulate broadband service as a utility, making the internet essentially the digital equivalent of electricity or the telephone. And this was reported by the New York Times. Um, so that gives you kind of a nice primer um, about how the rules function currently. Now, broadband and telecom companies like AT&T and Comcast will throw in their classic arguments that net neutrality rules discourage innovation, a word that large companies love to throw around, and have really characterized it as a classic example of government overreach, government meddling. Mm. And... From there, I mean, what we're kind of left with is, well, what does a world without net neutrality rules really look like? And a number of publications have done various write-ups on sort of the implications of repealing net neutrality rules. Um, But essentially what we're left with is internet service providers or ISPs would have the ability to charge web companies for fast and slow lanes, uh, which they can't do now. So it would basically, you know, tier our access to the internet. So people who can afford to pay more would be able to have, would be able to pay more and would basically have, you know, the service that they that they right. desire and folks who can't would be left in the dust. A toll a toll road if you will to the internet. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we all love toll roads. So <laughs> So that's essentially what we would be left with was this sort of tiered payment system for the internet. And Really, the the winners and the losers in this battle are clear. You know, the primary losers are consumers. Uh, consumers are going to see their rates go up for service, and you know, as Maritza pointed out, we see these sort of toll roads to the internet, fast and slow lanes that completely undermine and worsen equitable access to information for all Americans. Um, but you know, certainly low and middle income families, rural communities will be hit particularly hard by these changes. Um, you know, in rural parts of the country, people often only have one internet service provider. Right. So the myth of competition doesn't really exist for those communities. And they're going to be paying more regardless. They're going to be hit very hard by the repeal of this rule. Um, the other thing that I just read today that I found particularly interesting was that the FCC is also going to block states and localities from passing their own net neutrality laws by preempting any and all state and local net neutrality regulations. So if California, let's say, wanted to go up against the FCC and say, you know what, we're going to pass our own net neutrality rules because we think that this, you know, the repeal of net neutrality undermines access for all Californians to the internet, to information, to news, media, all of that. And we don't support that. Um, under under the repeal, we wouldn't be able to do that. Hmm. So it, it's it's a really bad deal, and it's one of those stories that I just feel like hasn't quite rung the level of alarm that it merits. I mean, this is it's this frightening. Is, this is a really big deal. Um, you know, not not only are are we going to see you know costs go up to access the internet, we're also going to see you know blocking of certain sites. We're going to see throttling of certain websites, which for folks, if you don't know what that is, it's the intentional slowing or speeding up of internet service by an internet service provider. So if there is a site that a company really wants to direct your attention to, really wants to get you to, they can speed up service or vice versa if they don't want you directed to certain pages, uh, certain sites. So it's a real, it's a real mess. Well, in layman's terms, if the affiliates that own, let's say Amazon, for example, Mm -hmm they're going to want to push their shows, everyone, okay? Right. So if you're trying to watch Netflix and you have like an live in an area where Amazon is now the owner of the internet there, you're not going to be able to watch Stranger Things or any of your Netflix shows or anything like The Office related to like Netflix, okay? Like which that's a problem. Which, let's be clear, is a goddamn travesty. <laughs> It's a problem. If you can't watch episodes from The Office from 11 years ago, I'm going to have an issue. I mean, this is America. I want it now, and I don't care if it's over a decade old. I want to watch it. <laughs> it is scary, though, because I do agree with you. It's it's limiting the information that we're able to find. I always think of, like, when I travel, like, overseas, or I'll just say the country, when I go to Mexico, 
you Google certain things and different information comes up. Right. Because they do have different net neutrality laws. They do censor a lot. Um, There's a massacre that happened in 1968 around the time of the Olympics where the government went in with helicopters. It was a protest based on civil rights and inequities in Mexico at the time. We're talking like the late 60s and the height of the civil rights movements. And the government facilitated helicopters to go into this square. It was in Tlatelolco, Mexico City. And they just shot and killed like hundreds of students. Now, if you Google that on our end here, you get pictures of like the square, like the pseudo memorial they have of like six people's names because allegedly the government doesn't know who they killed. Mm. If you Google that in Mexico, uh, you get like modern pictures of like Tlatelolco, like at nighttime, like people walking around, like you get nothing about a massacre. That's really interesting. So again, you know, it's it's that blocking of information. It's that lack of access. Right. And and, and essentially the rewriting of history, history. the covering up. Exactly. Which is really scary. Um, or the covering up of current information. Right. I mean, we yeah. haven't even touched on that yet. You know, in an administration like the one we have now, the ability of an institution like the FCC to say, this is the information that you have access to, and if you want more, you have to pay for it, Mm -hmm. is completely insane and should be alarming to any American, I would say regardless of party affiliation. I, I know we live in really contentious political times, very polarizing political times, but... But everyone should be afraid of this. But everybody should be afraid of this, and everybody has skin in the game, and... You know, if you haven't called your member of Congress, please do so. I mean, this is, I, I called my rep uh, while I was home for Thanksgiving because I just, it's terrifying to me. I, I um, yeah. you know, we've seen a lot of, a lot of scary things happen in this administration already. We've seen, you know, these attempts, whether it's getting rid of health care or trying to pass and these, these are, crazy tax and, plans. And, right. And these are things that kind of get swept under the rug, like they kind of get passed. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of forget that they got passed and a new administration comes in, God willing, one that's a bit more progressive. And I'll say either conservative or liberal, just more progressive in thought is what I'm looking for. And I don't think that means like liberal. To me, that doesn't mean liberal. That just means like more forward thinking about, the, you know, sure. what the reality is. Sure. But these are things that, like, can easily just kind of the administration goes, we don't have time, we have other pressing issues, and we don't have time to pass that. And, like, this could really create, like, an entity that is a full-on monster. I completely agree. (laughs) It it creates this sort of stranglehold. Yes. Yeah. I think Eminem said it best, so the FCC won't let me be. (laughs) Well, I I, I can't top that. I can't top Eminem. That's that's really, really good. Everyone needs to remember the FCC won't let me be, so let me be me, and you're going to see something like that. Okay, I can't remember the lyrics exactly, but it's a really good song. She's not a rapper, people. I'm not a rapper. I'm. Let I'm her have a, this one. I'm a podcaster on Sunday night, okay? That's all I am right now. My rap skills were for Tuesday. But just the FCC won't let me be, and like, this is freedom of information, people. And I look, think back to like when we were at college, and we had to get those like scholarly articles for references, and we had to like pay for them. I so always think this is so, why do we have to pay for information? Right, right, exactly. And, and that's that's the the core of the issue. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't say it yes. any better, is paying for the information that, that we rely on. And it's, I don't okay. know, there, okay. there, there aren't enough words to express my, my concern about this, but, uh, but people should be alarmed. People should be reading up on this. I know they're scheduling this for a vote in a couple of weeks and it's um it's it's a really daunting i don't know and i just i just feel like this is again passing these net neutrality laws benefits the powers that be it is totally Mm -hmm. financially driven absolutely It, it benefits both the dems and the republicans and anyone who is in between or outside of because if the dems somehow get like a Someone in, in power, I, I don't want to say in power, but that's kind of what it is. If they get an administration next time around, again, they can like maneuver the internet. They can manipulate all the information going out. That's frightening people. Like neither neither side and no entity should have that kind of control in, in this country. That's absolutely right. I mean, this information belongs to all Americans. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, putting these 
putting these walls up, you know, putting these paywalls up for what you can and cannot access really puts everyone at a disadvantage. And, and I hope that, you know, the more people read about this and hopefully soon uh, they, they realize that we really do all have skin in the game here. And this is this is very serious. Again, like you said, Maritza, I mean, this is something that, you know, Republicans and, you know, the FCC commissioner, uh, Ajit Pai, are really trying to kind of sweep under the rug. Yeah. Uh, they're really trying to go a little bit stealthy on this. I mean, they're... Um, there were, I know the, I believe it's the Attorney General um, Eric Schneiderman, uh, New York had discovered that there were, you know, all these um, fake comments that were included in the comment period, um, which, you know, a, a, again, just these attempts to infiltrate and mess with our democratic process, you know, um, for folks who don't know, you know, uh, you know, laws go through this public comment period, and it's an opportunity for, you know, everyday people and, and other stakeholders, of course, too, to talk about, you know, issues that they have with a with a law or a policy or or praise what's good and um and getting in there and and messing with that process in fundamental ways and in blocking people's rights to express just their opinion about something and how it will impact them is really dangerous frightening so should we move on have we scared ourselves enough i think i'm i'm so stressed out i can't even I know we need to we need to take it down a notch. Can we have Ooh. a cocktail in our cocktail dress? We really need one, don't we? <laughs> I could use one. Well, Maritz, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, let's turn it over to you and uh, let's get the latest on the housewife. What's what's going on? Okay, so I, I do want to make again my my homework every week is to somehow connect to your political discussion. Some days it's gonna be on point guys and other days like today i'm just just i want you to follow me on this journey as i try to make a connection okay a little bit of a stretch but we're going with it okay so net neutrality and the connection to the real housewives okay both rachel and i my my cohort here on this podcast chose quotes from gina liano who happens to be one of the og members of the real houses of melbourne that's now in its fourth season okay if anyone hasn't caught up with this show go to bravo tv find it on youtube it is literally like the best real housewives franchise out there right now and i don't say that lightly (laughs) okay i take a lot of things i take serious okay love money and the real housewives the right and, priorities. And then politics. It's like fourth. They're, they're, they're neck and neck. Melbourne is like as if every single housewife was a nini. There's <laughs> not one housewife that does not bring it. I tooted her horn, Leanne Locken, when we discussed the rare houses of Dallas. And I said that she is like the best hybrid. Imagine like Leanne Locken with an Australian accent. And there's not just one of them. There's five of them like a, like a sea of leanne lockins like a plethora of drama it's so good and it's so ridiculous they have like they literally argue about nothing they're arguing about nothing they have no problems their problems are they have nothing better to do which is the best kind of housewife they just literally sit there and like fester on like the most inane things right is, is it worse than the typical housewife stuff? Because most housewives argue about, you know, oh, so-and-so didn't invite me to this party. Yeah, or I'm it, not going to their charity event. Yeah. Well, is it worse than that? It's it's the same, but with an accent. Okay. Ooh. I, I can't, like, I can't, like, downplay the Australian accent. It just makes it. One of them is, a, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into them, okay? So <laughs> Chica, who is no longer on it. She um, is like this big decorator. Her and her husband own like this huge company and her name's Chica. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. And she just is like so much fun and fabulous. She was probably of, out of the, out of all of them, probably the most down low, low key, low maintenance, but really, really fun to watch and like easygoing. Then there's Gamble. Okay. Her name's Gamble. She's so skinny. She looks like, like this massive head of hair and she married an ophthalmologist, and she calls him Wolfie. Oh. So it, it's so good. Okay. And then there's Gina, who we quoted this week. I need everyone to Google her and her makeup. She is drag queen chic. She wears full face every single day. I'm not talking about two colors of eyeshadow on her eyes. I'm talking like five. Okay, so this goes beyond Erica Jane. This is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, who I think looks very made up. 
most of the time. It's Real Housewives meets like RuPaul in Australia. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Okay. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I love there's, it. There's there's Jackie who's psychic. She says it. My, oh. I'm psychic. She's always like, my name's Jackie, and I'm psychic. She has. Is this is this like Mean Girls psychic or no is no this like she like feels actually. energies. I don't know. Oh. Who cares? Okay, like it's not even that deep. Okay, but she's psychic. But I like. She just says it. She's like, I'm psychic. Okay. She's married to like a rock star, and he's actually they're, they're a really cool couple, and she just is like so ridiculous, and like it's it's amazing. Like I'm telling you guys, and there's Janet, and Janet called Lydia, who's another one of the housewives, and she's kind of like the mean one of the bunch. Like Lydia's kind of like the dark haired, Catherine Zeta Jones kind of looking, and she's Ooh, just kind okay. of like brings the attitude it's kind of fake but of course in the best way well janet is like the most real one she's like the nini of the bunch okay during the reunion last season she called her a dumb fat bitch oh my gosh wow during the reunion she's like yes i'm talking to you dumb fat bitch it uh, it was like when have the housewives ever called each other a dumb fat bitch they wanted to. I don't, I don't think I've... I mean, we've seen plenty of walk-offs. We've seen physical but, altercations, but... Jesus jugs. We've seen, but never just, like, direct like that. Yeah, then that's there's, incredible. There's Petty Fleur, and she's... I don't know her, like, ethnic background. Like, even they argue about it. But she's had, like, so much work done and claims that it's all natural. And then her, like, tagline was, like, I'm in the best shape of my life. Who begs to differ? And she's just like, oh my god. Okay. So net neutrality. And then there's Susie McLean and she's like off the show and she was boring. No one really cared about her. But anyways. Okay. The premiere date is December. Okay. It's the first day. I think it's December 7th or 17th. I can't remember. Okay. It's okay. in Australia. What they do here, just like they did for the Real Housewives of Auckland, which I'll discuss one day. Ooh. Is that they would just show like two or three episodes on a Saturday. Okay. Bravo. So if you weren't recording it, you're probably going to miss it. Oh, I see. Okay. So they kind of bundle it. Essentially. Yes. They, like on a Saturday morning, like at 10, like, which is, would be like one o'clock is the Eastern time. Oh my gosh. So it was like, well, who's going to watch that on a Saturday? Right. Exactly. If you're not, if you're not recording it. Okay. Right. Exactly. Net neutrality. If I don't see season four of the Real House of Melbourne, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> okay Okay. you guys it is that serious right now arena is the name of the affiliate in australia which is basically bravo okay if for any reason let's just say disney core disney inc whatever their title is purchased a large segment of internet in like the state of california where you and i reside right why would they push an affiliate like NBC? Well, I don't think they would. They wouldn't. Right. So we would probably end up watching their shows on some like weird like number like channel 1143 that we would never remember. Right. Exactly. And it would be like Just really slow and spotty and like you, there would never be anything on demand. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They would bury it. Yes. Do you think that we'll ever get the Real Houses of Melbourne? If already Bravo only shows it in like chunks of three on a Saturday, of course we won't. No, that's right. I mean, especially if they repeal net neutrality rules. Guys. We'll never see it. We'll never see any of it. This is a problem. This is a real issue. Forget your political information. Let's focus on your entertainment. What's going to happen when you guys can't watch Hoarders? Oof. That's a sad day. 90 day fiance or whatever that show is called <laughs> i just said that i was like i don't think that's right oh I'm, t- I'm like these are like real problems like little women la little women atlanta you know these like, are these, the real issues these are real issues like i'm telling you if if you guys can't watch hoarders like there's gonna be a problem Again, that's my connection, trying to, like, bring it together with net neutrality. I don't know if it worked. Again, I said bear with me. I think it was a valiant (laughs) effort, and I applaud you. Thank you so much. And again, everyone, please catch up on the Rahasa Melbourne and, like, 
I promise that Rachel and I will have like one podcast just dedicated to like dissecting and like quoting them all day. They are the hidden gems of the Real Housewives franchise. I am pleading with you, Andy Cohen at Bravo and everyone there, please put this show on like <laughs> cancel the escape thing. I think that's already over. Thank God. Oh, that was terrible. It was so bad. Did not care about it. And just put the Real Housewives in Melbourne on, please. I had to watch it on a recent flight and I thought I was going to shoot myself. Escape? Just, I want to, I want to escape from this terrible series. It was. It's not escape. It's escape. 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 Excuse me. (laughs) It sucks. I really like their music too, but it was just like, I'm so glad it was a limited series. It was just too much fighting over nothing and it just wasn't good. It was just a stretch. Yeah. Mm. It was. Anyways. So that's my connection. Shall I discuss more Real Housewives? Yes, please. If my viewers are still listening to me, if they're not like, shut up, Maritza, we don't care about the Real Housewives of Melbourne, please, everyone, just go watch it. I'm telling you. Okay. So I know that last week we discussed a lot of Real Housewives of Dallas. We wanted to lay it out. When there's a reunion, we won't discuss the reunion episodes until they've all aired. I think it's just easier because that way we can just discuss the whole season as one thing and we'll dedicate the whole portion of the Real Housewives podcast just to that season and to that franchise. It's going to be great. Yeah. So next week, next Sunday, um, Rachel and I will be going into like Orange County, which has a lot of drama going on. They only made it a two-parter, which I'm not surprised because it was such a boring season overall. And I mean boring in terms of like... It's a lot of the same stuff that we've kind of seen and not anything really new besides Peggy. Um, but I, there are, however, the reunion dropped two bombs. There's two pending divorces, which is Kelly Dodd and Shannon Bedore are now like legally separated from their spouses. And I think that for Orange County, they're going to try to change the dynamic of the group because it was so fractured this season. Like It really was. It was not enjoyable. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good viewing. No, it was... It was good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I still watched it. Oh, I did too. (laughs) But it was just kind of like, if I missed the part, like, I wasn't one to rewind it or, like, rewatch it. Like, once was enough, which is odd for Orange County, personally. No, because it it is typically eminently watchable and rewatchable. Yeah. There just wasn't enough to it, so. Not a lot of substance. Not a lot of core, and I think... uh, I think, well, again, I don't want to get into it, but we'll discuss it next week. So I just want to let the viewers know that some podcast days, especially reunion, be ready to listen to Rachel and I just talk a little bit longer because we l- dissect the whole season. Okay. I'm going to talk about Atlanta. Is that cool? Yes. Let's okay. do it. So uh, we haven't talked about it in a few weeks, in the last couple weeks, which is fine because nothing's really happened. And I really think, Rachel, that they're doing this whole like calm before the storm scenario with atlanta like things kind of brew but then kind of like die down and portia comes in and then they just kind of ignore each other so i think they're building tension i completely agree i mean there was a lot of there's a lot of hurt feelings a lot of resentment from the past season and seasons past uh quite frankly and and i I think you're right they're they're trying to sort of set the stage lay the table you know and and kind of build up that suspense, build up that drama. And I I think we'll be in for a treat slash disaster when it happens. Yeah. So again, there's been memorable like instances in the show, but that's there. Like simple things that like nothing, nothing that sticks out of my mind. But this past episode was Sheree threw a party for her mother. It was 70s themed. So I'm going to dissect each housewife storyline and then Rachel, feel free to chime in with me. Okay. Sounds good. So Sheree, like I said, she threw her mother a 70s themes party. Um, 70s like disco theme because her mom turned 70, which I thought was really cute. It was. It was super sweet. Yeah. Um, the best part was when, uh, when Sheree started arguing with the party planner. And then you're like, her name was quote unquote Tiffany. <laughs> and she started like bailing on her like last minute. And I was like mortified. I was like, I would be like so mad. Like, and then I thought, oh my God flashback when was the last time Sheree got into a fight with a party planner everyone knows that the most epic words came out of her mouth and it turned into a t-shirt line and it's who gonna check me boo oh my god so so I w- 
good. I was waiting there. And I don't know if you were, but I was waiting there like, oh my God, if Sheree is going to get in her car and like do something, the party planner is going to show up. It's just going to be drama. And like nothing happened. Like she just kind of like got upset and like died down and just like started going and like putting the party together. And I was like, good on you, Sheree. But what the heck? I know. I mean, it was it was a real growth moment for Sheree. Yeah. Because you heard her on the phone and she's ta- she's leaving a message for, for Tiffany, quote unquote. Um, and she's saying, you know, to her daughter, I think, you know, you know, this person's driving me crazy and like I'm trying to be nice, but I really just want to like yell at this woman. And I was like, oh my God, I totally just feel your pain in this moment. It's just awful because yeah. she just really got hung out to dry. Yeah. Um, so rude. So rude. But I, I, I loved the flashback to who gonna check me boo. Yeah. That I, like, was I had like a moment of like it's gonna happen. She's gonna do it. She's gonna tell Oh, you gonna something was gonna come out and but like nothing came out. But that's I okay. know. Growth. Growth sure, right? However, I do think this should become like a thing at each season where she plans a party and just verbally accosts the party planner. Oh my god. Like that could just be like she by Sheree getting shady with the party planner. Like I'm okay with that once, like once every season. I mean, at least we know that will materialize unlike yeah. other ventures. So I'm Sh- okay with it. At Chateau Charest, just shit goes down. That's right. Okay. And Chateau Charest exists, which is great. And I like, actually like it personally. But no, that's just me. Yeah. Lovely house. Anyway, moving on. So candy, you know, my favorite candy. Not, not my favorite. Um, so <laughs> her assistant Carmen um, comes up to her and they kind of like, have the scene at her in her office at the candy factory, she calls it. Right. And she's leaving her. Now candy needs a new assistant. And I was like yawning the whole time. And I was like wondering what my next nail color should be. Like, it was just kind of like, uh, it was boring. It was boring. And totally boring. I guess maybe Carmen's just done like putting up with candy and getting paid less than minimum wage. And that's kind of, <laughs> My little, Possibly. <laughs> my connection to the lawsuit that was about to happen last season that never materialized with Phaedra. And refresh my memory on that. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what exactly went down. It was that that guy that she like sort of helped and worked for her. And then he left and had like his own party company. Again, like party planning company, events company. Right. And so he came out and quote unquote looked for Phaedra for legal um advice and he said that candy paid him less than minimum wage and phaedra did the math and was like that equals like four dollars a day or something like heinous like that i don't remember the exact details and that's when you know basically at the reunion it all came about that like phaedra was trying to you know was looking for stuff to to get on candy about and then it goes into like the whole rape comments and it it was just again phaedra being ugly i think phaedra went and looked for him and tried to create the situation um but that's kind of what happened and i just candy has kind of like a history of like hiring these people and having these people in her life that are not she's not a great judge of character she's not no I i would agree with you on that and as much as she like dislikes candy she talks a lot of i mean not candy as candy as much as she dislikes portia She's always talking about her behind her back. And, like, so is, like, Don Juan and all her, like, minion. I'll call them minions, her employees. And I'm always, like, why do you always have to have your her name in your mouth? Right, right, right. And no, it's true. There's there's some real resentment there. And she just hasn't been able to get past it. And I don't know if she – see, okay, resentment's an interesting word. I don't know if she's mm. resentful or she actually feels bad for Portia. Mm. I can tell if it's resentment or pity. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, I don't know. I I I go back and forth with Portia. I, I mean, to me, she is just like this helpless, kind of naive newborn baby. I yeah. don't know any other way to describe her. Yeah, but I just don't understand like what Candy's mo is or main objective on talking about her so much and again i think maybe just she's trying to stir the pot and create connections with the cast members because i don't really see her being close with anyone on the show right now like she's not really close to kenya like kenya kind of gravitates more towards like cynthia nini right right absolutely not really close to sheree sheree's kind of more gravitates towards like nini yeah 
No, I, they're just like she's just. I'm, I told you, Candy to me is always like an awkward outlier that can't carry the show, but she has a lot of say in what happens in the storyline. But that was just her. But we can talk about Portia though. Um, this ep- the last couple episodes, she's had like no storyline. Right, right, right. No, she has not been super interesting this season, and no. she's just ah. Uh, the thing about Portia that always gets me is she's. She's so inexperienced and she's so entitled. And I love it when those two traits coexist. <laughs> yeah. For example, a meeting with the investors for her hair salon that she's opening with her sister, Lauren. Oh, and my she, God. And she that goes was... off into like, well, I'm not going to work there. I'm going to be the owner. And her sister was like, okay, like you have to work. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to hire people to work for me. Right. And, and let's back that up a little bit too because the other critical piece here is that she has no experience yeah i mean she has the hair with okay. this a lot <laughs> first of all rachel hold oh. on she has her hair care hairline her wig line that's true that's okay. true so she knows a little bit about hair just a little bit a little bit i just think that she's uh, okay I think the reason that Candy talks about Portia so much is because they have a lot of parallels. Both tend to hire people that are very close to them to work for them. Mm-hmm. And they both like to see a lot of moving parts but not really do anything. Well, that's true. That's true. So I think Candy sees in Portia a lot of her, but maybe in like what you said, in a more fetal newborn baby way. <laughs> Although, uh, to... Just sort of speaking Candy's defense, I will say I think she has the goods to back it up. Obviously. Generally speaking. Um, and Portia really doesn't. And the you know, talent. Portia, and the talent. She has and talent. the talent. No, yeah. I mean, she's a great singer, a great producer. I mean, she – Candy has a real knack for business. And she she goes into markets where she knows she's going to be successful. And she does well, yeah. generally. Uh, and Portia just kind of has this attitude of – I want it and I want it now and has no uh, sense of how to work to make that possible. Right. So it was like, yeah, so she's going to open a hair salon. Great. But she doesn't plan on working there. So what? And she's going to take 85% of the profits. <laughs> Wasn't that the craziest thing? I was watching that. I was like, if that were my sibling, I would kill them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. we're no. going to work together and I'm going to bring you along with me. We're equals, except... I get 85% more of the profits. <laughs> and that's why I don't go into business with your siblings. Right. Lesson learned. So Nini. Nini, um, present as ever in like the whole episode. It was kind of nice um, to see her kind of happy in her life. Yeah. Things seem to be going with her well with her and Greg and her son Brent. I just, just graduated high school and I was like, oh my God, I remember when he was like a little kid. Oh, I know. I know because she's been around since season one. So you really yeah. have seen that family and and those kids grow up yeah and not that it was nice to see but i mean greg having his medical problems nini is so when she's talking in the beginning i was like oh my gosh she's so frigid and like so like detached but towards the end of the episode when she was trying to rush to him to the hospital you really saw her kind of break down and you realize man nini like really needs greg like she there's no one is gonna put up with her no one's gonna love her the way that greg does he adores her no, it's true, and she and she adores him, and, and I think you know Nini's conversations with Cynthia um, kind of highlighted that in a way because yeah. you know Nini does not want to face the fact that something could happen to her husband or to anyone right. in her family, you know. So you know her sort of style is to kind of push things away to keep it very yeah. you know distant. So she goes you know to Sheree's party, has a great time, and the next day is confronted with the situation where you know. Greg is doing much worse. The doctors are saying, you know, you need to come in right now. And uh, and that really shakes her. Yeah. And it, it's good to see her kind of... Be human. Dr- be human. Drop some of that pretense. Drop some of that sort of showmanship yeah. and flair that we, that we see her um, just... You know, she's always over the top. She's always just uh, on. Yeah. And, and we really see some of that stripped away in this last episode. And, and I... To your point, I really appreciated that. I mean, it's yeah. nice to just have these human moments in largely an otherwise vacuous franchise. <laughs> right. And we're assuming that everything's okay with Greg because he's still around. So it's one of those things, at least, you know, they get through it. And it's right. just nice to see her kind of have actual concern for those around her, for someone who's, again, so detached from everyone and just 
wants to be on the pedestal. And I think that she's like holding back a lot for now because we all know like she's like I'm telling you, it's the calm before the storm on Atlanta mm. right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that Kim Zolchak Bierman is coming on. And I really think that Nini is just holding on to that ammo, just ready to go like toe to toe and just be ready to, for Kenya. The, it, it's just going to be great. I'm, I'm it, telling it you guys, is. It's, it's the calm before the storm. It's going to be insane. Yeah. Okay. So Kenya. So, <sighs> okay. Let me get all the eye rolls out. Okay. So are we not ever meeting baby? AKA Mark Daly. We we are never meeting Mark Daly, who is Kenya's However, new husband. husband. Yeah, husband, allegedly. Allegedly. Right. <laughs> but we have to hear about him all the time. Constantly. Did you Okay, I, I have to <laughs> It's so it's so much. What were I you have saying? To, no, I, I was gonna say I have to interject because I loved that scene. I think it was in the last episode um, where Kenya is leaving quite possibly the world's longest voicemail for her husband. Oh, my God. It keeps cutting out. That was so funny. It was. (sighs) (sighs) Exactly. We don't even have words. We don't even have words. (laughs) It's too much. Um, No. Anyway, go go, go on. I I don't want to. And then the dog peeing on the wedding dress. It's just like everything goes back to like her and the wedding. And I'm. I'm waiting, and I, I think it's going to be Kim, who's going to okay. come in and just, like, shut her the hell up. Oh, I think that's right. I think that's right. We, I mean, We've seen it in the previews. It's not a secret. She just comes in, guns a-blazing, and it's freaking done, okay, guys? Because I can't deal with it. Kenya reminds me of that girl that you went to high school with that was, like, one of your friends and was dating, like, some guy from, like, another high school. And, like, obviously, like, we're in high school, so we didn't have cars to, like, meet up with him. Oh, my gosh. she allegedly would go out with him all the time, and, like, she'd have gifts from him, but, like, you never meet him. But she always talks about, like, oh, I love, like, Matthew, who goes to, like, Woodrow Wilson High School. And I'm like, where the hell is Woodrow Wilson High School? Like, who is this Matthew guy? Do you have a picture of him? It's, like, (laughs) it's so childish, and... The clothes in the closet with like the tags on them. Oh my god, the clothes! I could not get over that. It's like, did you just buy? She did clothes. I think she. I literally think she did. Because we are never seeing this man, and I think what we had was just a case of her buying clothes for someone who is never coming to Atlanta. No, I. No, and yeah, it's guys. (laughs) It's it's not going to happen. I really need someone to tell her to shut the hell up. And no one's told her. Like, everyone's just trying to, like, let her be happy because she found a guy that, like, will love her. And, and, like, good for her. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, trying to, like, hate on her. I'm just, like, I don't know why you would talk about someone so much that is never going to be in To figure into the world. show. Yeah. You shouldn't be right. talking about him. Get something else. Right. It's, like, where'd you get that rose, Cindy, that I see you walking from first to second period with? Like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't, Ma- I don't get it. Matthew drove down from his break at Woodrow Wilson High School and brought it to me. It's, like, shut the hell up, Cindy. Like, this, this person doesn't exist, and you bought that rose for yourself. Let it go. God. <laughs> okay. So, Cynthia. Okay. I'll end it on a good note. I like watching her this season. Oh, I am so enjoying her this season. I, and I've, truthfully, I've always enjoyed <laughs> Cynthia. I think she, you know, again, is... I, I'm always very drawn to the more level-headed Real Housewives, the more down-to-earth ones. And I think Cynthia is largely that for me. But Right. Especially know, I, ever since she dropped Peter. Which, thank goodness. Yeah. Because that was, was such a bad relationship. Uh, yeah. I, I agree know. with you. They, they'd been together for a long time. They got married. There was, you know, so much drama on the wedding day with, you know, Cynthia's mom and sister trying to not bring the marriage license to, so that the wedding wouldn't actually be legal. I mean, it was it was crazy. And, and once they were married, there was a, a clear invisible strain between the two of them. They just weren't compatible. They just and, weren't connecting. They just never and, fully connected. And now they're divorced and they seem to be getting along well. So, yeah. so that's a good thing. Um, but now Cynthia is on the prowl. She is 50 Ooh. and... She is ready to date. I liked that Will guy. I know. I liked him too. Yeah. I liked him too. Very I think we. Cute. I think we. We both got a got a taste for the, the chocolate sweetness watching this episode. Watching Will. 
I was like, oh, hello, Will. And he just seemed really nice and, like, fun. And who cares, Cynthia? Like, just have fun. Like, your daughter's grown. Like, do your thing. And I just kept thinking, like, oh, my God, Peter who? Like, thank God. He was, <laughs> I like, love it. an extra housewife. He kind of was. And, and I think, you know, Cynthia's trying to find her footing as you know, as, as an older woman, uh, you know, certainly not old, but uh, coming out of a marriage. And, you know, she, she so wants to, like, be the player. She wants to date around. She wants to kind of, like, have her moment of, like, being a little slutty and, like, dating a few people at once. But you can just see it in her. Like, she just can't do it. But she's she's kind of dipping her toe back in, which I think is really fun to watch. Again, Atlanta, not a lot going on, but definitely something's a-brewing. Guys, it's like, it's about to happen. We're about to hit Oz. When everything's going to be in color. Even though, when Kim, <laughs> oops, when Kim comes in, like everything's just going to make sense and it's every, it's going to be crazy. Like I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. And if it doesn't, then I'm so sorry for the letdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so good. Okay. Uh, New Jersey. Okay. Switching gears, going a little bit right. farther down the East Coast. All right. <sighs> Teresa. She okay. vacationed with her daughters and her father and they went to like Puerto Rico. Right. It was so nice to kind of see her interact with her family, and you could really see how damaged her daughters are with everything going on and how hurt her father is about losing his wife and where Teresa's at, like how worried he is for her. Right, right. And and, and just to sort of frame this a little bit, so Teresa had gone away, was it for a year? Yeah. For a year months, for... With connection, it was some charges related to fraud, I believe. Yeah, white collar crime. Yeah, white collar crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so she was away for a year in in Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, her husband Joe Judice um, had just recently gone away to serve his time, and you know, and and you saw this in past seasons too. Like when Teresa first came back, I mean, you know, you you could see the hurt and the pain that that caused her daughters, and her extended family. Um, and, and it was really nice to see them connect uh, in that way. I mean, it just felt very genuine. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really liked that moment. I thought that was, that was just sweet and, yes. and really nice. And I think that what's been nice about Teresa, she was, don't get me wrong, she's still like the glue and like the heartbeat of like new jersey like forever without a doubt however in the last episodes like she becomes like much more of like a periphery housewife Mm -hmm. and the other housewives kind of get their moment in the spotlight and it's nice to see her not constantly trying to like hog the camera like she's gracious about other people's drama which is which is not which is not a term we would typically lend her yeah and it's 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 nice like she kind of goes like straight up to Dolores and goes did you say that or did you not and it's it's nice to see her be a little bit more confrontational without packing so much of the heat right right so it's like oh you're being confrontational but you're being rational and you're letting everyone else look I I never thought I would say it but I can't believe the day is here that Teresa and Melissa are not the center of the drama going on and it's really refreshing and i'm enjoying watching everyone else around her lose their shit again growth <laughs> yeah. growth right yes okay i know we want to talk about this siggy i love siggy oh my god what happened and why she's such good to be like i can't get over like how she's been acting and why can't she get over like margaret and like the comments and so let's so let's talk about that a little bit. So okay. I personally think there's something else going on. But let me let me back it up just a little okay, bit. So the initial the initial the initial yes, rewind. Uh so the initial comment. So so Siggy is this like relationship expert, matchmaker and her full name is is Siggy Flicker. Yeah. Short for Sigalit. She's Israeli. Yeah. Um and she, you know, she had a lot of sort of just I guess I'll use it in quotes, trauma, um, related to her name when she was a child. She got teased a lot. She got bullied a lot. And uh, and Margaret called her soggy flicker. Triggered. Because, because she totally triggered. Yeah. Uh, because she does, she's a very emotional housewife, very theatrical. Um, and she's crying constantly. I mean, she is like classic, tried- Jewish, classic Jewish mama. Like she's always upset about something and everything is just like, oh my God, my yeah. babies. Like She's cried she's- every episode. She's a little nuts, but she is such good TV. She's so fun yeah. to watch, and she's just a riot. Yeah. 
I think that Siggy loves the sound of her own voice and oh, the sound sure. of her own advice. And I'm just going to dig into it at that retreat. Okay. When Siggy just like ripped into like that personal tirade against Margaret, like while she's discussing, it was like so blatantly obvious. And like she's whining that Margaret doesn't understand that no matter what she does, that this one person like alluding to Margaret. And you can just see Margaret's like wanting the earth to open up under her and like suck her in. And let's let's talk about what the purpose of this retreat was, which was women's, women's empowerment. empowerment. <laughs> and you have Siggy publicly shaming Margaret. Yeah. yeah. For how she treated her. Yeah, and like even Teresa goes like that's messed up. Teresa right. Right. DJ is telling you that someone else has messed up behavior. Guys. Growth. Welcome to Trump's America. This is a problem. <laughs> Again, speechless. There, there are no words for just how crazy that was. Um, she's, she's bringing it. She's bringing it. And for someone who, again, professionally makes her living giving advice, you know, for romantic relationships and, and sort of otherwise, it, it was it was really hard to watch. And even Dolores, who is Siggy's best friend and, you know, sort of co-pilot through life, um, was appalled at her behavior, too, was just kind of sitting there thinking... Why is she doing this? What is she saying? Because she can. That's like Siggy's. That should be her tagline. I'm Siggy Flicker, and I do because I can. Right, right, and she totally does. <sighs> Anyways, good guys, good drama, and then at the end of the episode, like Margaret does, like this whole like they do like an exercise where you kind of like become the person that you're you have issues with and she like makes fun of Siggy and brings up the cake again it's like cakey it's it's (laughs) so petty but I enjoy watching it and I'm gonna switch over to Margaret like real talk Rachel like how do you feel about her (sighs) okay so so I have I have a few thoughts on Margaret okay first of all so because again we're a podcast and you know people should google what Margaret looks like and her sort of trademark feature, which is her pigtails. Right. Which I'm sorry, if you are past the age of six, you should not be wearing pigtails. That is just... And I think you're wrong, but that's just me. Okay. Okay. Agree to disagree. (laughs) Agree to disagree. (laughs) But I just, I find that on a woman of her presumed age, um, not great. Not a great look. Not ideal. Um, And I think, you know, so setting aside sort of the, the petty you know, criticism of, of her pigtails. I, I do think she is, again, something that I'm drawn to, very down to earth in a lot of okay. ways uh, with her family life, which I appreciate. Okay. But I don't know. I I just don't like her. I can't quite pin down what it is, but I don't love her. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I get I that. Know. It's mostly the pigtails. That's all I can really focus on. Well, I... I actually like her and I, I'll go beyond the, I'm, I'm, I don't mind the pigtails. I get them as like a staple of her personality and I get where you're going with that. However, I do appreciate like how normal her, her problems are in her life. Mm -hmm. Like her kids, she goes into like why her fractured relationship with her children and they don't talk to her because she married the man that she had an affair with. Right. With her right. husband. And I just thought that was so nice to hear. Like, that's such a normal problem. Like, of course your kids aren't going to talk to you. Like, that's something so <laughs> right. traumatic. Right. Of course that's going to happen. Like, that's, right. that's a normal – that's fine for you to cry about. That's fine for me to feel bad about. Like, that sucks. Like, that's horrible. Like, it's so sad that you guys can't come to an understanding. And I think the next couple episodes, like, her, her first husband comes out and they discuss it. And I just thought that was, like, a really cool, raw moment. And she had that conversation with Dolores um, and connected with her on that about – you know, what divorce does to, like, a family and how it affected her. It's nice to see someone have, like, normal problems like that, unlike, I don't know, white-collar crime, going to jail, calling someone a prostitution whore and flipping a table. And, <laughs> right, like, right, those are not normal. And everyone declaring bankruptcy. Right, right. It, those are not, quote-unquote, normal mainstream problems. 
Right. It's not like your husband forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. It's like my husband was laundering money for 15 right. years. And, and again, I'm talking like white collar crime, like being indicted by the FBI and like the federal government. The United States right. of America doesn't happen every day. <laughs> right. So that's why I kind of appreciate her. And I really do think that she's, I, I know you like watching Dolores and Siggy and I do too, but I think they kind of like do this buddy system thing and they need to be checked. No, I think that's fair. I and think I that's think, fair. and I think Margaret's the one to do it because she's the most real right now that I can see on the show that doesn't have all this like a fake drama. I don't, I don't call it fake drama, but she just came in new to the group and she has real problems and she has a real marriage and it just is what it is. So no, I, no I, one, I, no one else can call them out. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I, I, I think you're right. I think when Dolores and Sagi get together, it is very much, um, this sort of defensive unit, you know, they, yeah. they, they really look out for each other, which is a good thing. Um, but I, I th- would say both for Dolores to Siggy and Siggy to Dolores, they don't always, um, they're not always as constructively critical of one another as they can or should be. No. Now to Dolores. I appreciated her the last couple episodes in her conversation she's had with Margaret um, Siggy and Teresa. I mean, she mm-hmm. really kind of seems like someone who genuinely wants to see the good in everyone, except when it comes to Danielle. Right. <laughs> oh, Danielle, stop. <laughs> she just calls her a drug addict, and I'm like, ugh, like, Danielle's heard that before, Dolores. Like, come back with something else. Like, that's what I kept thinking. And I thought, in the words of Teresa, like, she is relentless when it comes to Danielle. And, like, her discussing the fact that maybe Danielle lied about the comment she made or she never said that. And I just kept thinking, Mm. like, doth she protest too much? Did she say (laughs) something that was taken out of context? Mm. And that's what Danielle repeated. And that's what she's getting fired about, that a comment she made out of context was taken this way. But then how do you explain that you made that comment in what context? And to Teresa, her friend. Who got that's, her on the show? That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, Danielle. It's so hard because we have such a long memory with her. Yeah, of course yeah. she's crazy. We know Dolores. We know she's crazy. We get it. She's you, a nut. You can't keep using that as the reason for her making you hat. She's not crazy like she makes stuff up. No, she's crazy in that she takes things to the next level. Right. So what did you say that took things to the next level? Right. She definitely escalates situations. Yes. She's definitely a provocateur. Yes. Um, but I feel like I'm trying to sort of scan my my uh, my memory of past housewife seasons, and I can't think of too many things or anything that she's fabricated. She's definitely she's hidden. Yes. I mean, she hid her past, but I mean that was part of the show. Right. Right. That was a story. I don't think she ever like lied about. I'm trying to. I don't. I mean, we, I could be wrong. <laughs> we, she, could, we could both be wrong. But <sighs> it's just, that seems really out of character. And obviously, it does. She, she's going to make, she's going to say whatever you say in private to get her spot back on the franchise. And I, I truly think Dolores said something that was taken out of context. And Danielle ran with it. Yeah, you, you no. can't you can't give someone a seed and expect them not to plant it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Um, let's see. Okay, uh, Melissa, it's nice to see her. Also, um, she's not bringing a lot to the table right now, but I'm okay with that. Okay, I don't okay. Need to, I don't need to see her all the time. I get it. Um, she has a cool dynamic with Teresa. I liked when they kind of fought at the restaurant that Joe purchased. And it was very like, but it was like a, fam- like a family fight. It wasn't like. Right. It was so familiar and comforting. Honestly. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, I've, I've fought with, you know, my sibling like that, like to that level where it's just kind of petty and dumb, but you get over it. And it's right. nice to see them kind of like go above and beyond that. And I mean, besides that, her problems with Joe remain the same. Like he's kind of. A traditional husband and wants her he's to stay old home. School. Old he's school. He's old school. Which to me also means he's sexist. <laughs> he is completely sexist. But I, I don't, again, I'm okay with not seeing so much. And I like, again, the fact that her and Teresa are playing these more periphery characters who kind of like drive the storyline forward. They don't really hold it back. It's good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you there because they both had their time in the spotlight and I think there are just other storylines that are more compelling. Yeah. And I'll end it with Danielle. 
who's not okay. officially a housewife, but is a friend of the housewife because she didn't get, I don't know, what do the New Jersey housewives hold? Do they hold anything? What do, that's a good question. Do they hold like, I don't know. They don't think they hold anything. I think they like put their hands on their hips. I think that's right. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, they should hold is like that, a meatball until all the time. Except for Siggy. Oops. Except for Siggy. She can hold a matzo ball. Matzo ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Oh, there you go. I think Danielle deserves an award already for this season. <laughs> I don't think it's easy to have her background on the show, but she's just has come in and is killing it. Guys, murdering the show. Uh, Dolores is really out for blood, and I think that she handled herself really well and has been. I, I would agree. And I would agree. She, the, it's like a maturity that is like, it's like a crazy, like, why are you so calm when we all know you're psycho? But you <laughs> like it. You like it. You want to see her kind of keep like getting into like the heads. You want to see everyone go crazy but her. Right. Well, that's kind of her, that is kind of her game, right? Yeah. It's to sort of, it's to sort of be calm, you know, to sort of be the still water in all the chaos. And I'm and, okay with that. Yeah. And I don't, and, and like I said, when they called her a drug addict, I was like, wow, she took that really well. And when, whatever she's on, like, I wouldn't mind a sample because like to put up with someone, the likes of Dolores and Siggy is rough. They are two when Siggy just is so loud and Dolores is so intense and she's got like this real like in your face attitude with her. So I, Danielle, keep taking that little whatever you're taking to kind of get through <laughs> the rest of the season. Just keep and, it moving. And like I said, I can't figure out a motive for her making up or lying about the Dolores comment. Hmm. I really think that something hmm. was said and she took it out of context and she ran with it. And we should have known she was going to run with it because she's trying to get back on the show. Right, right. She's trying to be relevant. She's trying to prove some degree of value. Um, and this is how she's going to do it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. We'll watch what happens. Uh, and also, like, I'm kind of excited the fact that, like, she kind of put Dolores on the spot. And again, is like, is Danielle plotting something? Is she setting up? the cards for her return her permanent return or maybe she's just uh a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs likes the drama and just you know packs it on for the audience and i'm okay again things i'm okay with things we're okay with new jersey is good we're okay with growth we're okay with plotting it's a good season guys like every single episode not like the other housewives that have kind of each have like moments each episode is like a moment <laughs> it's so true it's amazing the best part of the episode was the preview for this season and Ooh. i broke it down okay let's get into it one they're going to italy they're going to milan that's a trip two margaret's having a new jersey birthday party which is like the most gaudy hideous obnoxious wonderful type of thing you could ever do three Margaret tells people that Danielle had sex with her fiance Marty in a bathroom at a party. I'm okay with that. Raunchy. <laughs> and hey, she's a prostitution whore. What do you Raunch expect? Raunchy intrigue. We're <sighs> into it. Okay. Four, okay. they show Teresa visiting Joe in prison with their Ooh, daughters. Okay. Five, Dolores breaks up with um, her boyfriend David and is talking to Frank about it. I, I call him Casper the friendly boyfriend because I don't think we're going to see him, guys. Because he doesn't don't. really exist. Yeah. Uh, I just Maybe he does and he's just not into it. But I think, she, okay, what if there's someone, what if it's someone she's just casually dating and then, uh, that's what I think. Again, I think it's something that's not that serious and they're trying to make it serious on the show. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, six, Teresa, they show a clip of Teresa talking to Danielle's daughter and Teresa's like apologizing to her whoa from like the big old debacle of like the flipping of the tables and everything that was said behind her back and I thought that's a pretty cool like full circle moment that really is and that's gonna be really good seven there's a psychic with Teresa and her brother Joe that they she brings a message from their recently deceased mother and I thought that is heavy that is so heavy. Okay. Eight. Okay. It's Kim <laughs> D. 
from the posh fashion show. Yes! They're going this year. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Buckle up. She brings up the number nine point, the Teresa cheating rumors that Teresa's having an affair while Joe's in prison. Ooh, okay. Which leads to brawl number 245 at the posh fashion <laughs> show. Again, she goes after Kim D and then she goes after Dolores and Siggy because I guess Kim D said that to them and she's like, you should have stuck up for me and starts throwing things and it's all kinds of amazing. And if it's, you know, if it's anything like past posh fashion show brawls, we're in for a treat. And then... Number 11 is the scene that they've shown the preview for before when they're all sitting at the table and Danielle starts grabbing like foods and plates and starts just like smacking him down the table and goes crazy and walks out of the restaurant. I, I think they just showed us the whole season. <laughs> the whole season's been covered in the preview, so <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> it was so good and I wanted more and I'm okay with it. So every episode from here on out, I'm telling you guys, New Jersey brings it every sunday night wait no wednesday night sunday's uh, atlanta every wednesday night you should be recording new jersey and watching it i'm out of breath i know that was a lot to cover (laughs) yeah so it's kind of hard when we do like the the reunions kind of put like a dent in our maintaining like the information up to date so we're a little behind so that's why i talk so much so sorry if you guys got a note about my voice but i'm gonna be like soggy flicker not care (laughs) she's over it i'm over it (laughs) uh so yeah so um let's thank everyone for tuning in this week how about that rachel thank you folks (laughs) also i just wanted to let everyone know that we now are officially in social media mode please follow us on tumblr at thugs and cocktails uh podcasts instagram at thugs and cocktail dresses and like our facebook page with the same name so just look for us and please keep listening and look for some content Great. And before we do our official goodbyes, should we run our taglines one more time? Of course. Um, Again, Gina from Melbourne, season one. I'll give you my opinion, but you be right. Oh, my God. I cannot say it. I'll give you my opinion, but you better be ready to hear it. A lot of alliteration. I apologize. It's all good. Uh, And then, of course, I had Gina Liano as well from season two. Ideal in fact, not friction. We'll see you next week, ladies and gents and everyone else out in the world. 